everybody. This is Issa Cosette, and you are listening to Issa's Way, your favorite podcast that you didn't know existed, you didn't know you needed, but we're so glad you're here. And this week, we have a very special guest, the Vanessa Riley, a historical fiction and historical romance writer, mother, and wife. She also holds a doctorate in mechanical engineering from Stanford University. She loves baking her Trinidadian grandma's cake recipes and collecting Irish crochet lace. I recently discovered her work when I read The New Island Queen. It uncovers the life of Dorothy Kerwin Thomas, a woman who buys her freedom from enslavement and becomes a wealthy entrepreneur in the West Indies. With each page, I was intrigued by Dolly's journey and how she constantly resisted silence to overcome her limitations, how she fought for equality for women of color, and how she moved throughout the Caribbean and Europe. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Riley. Can you please tell us more about yourself and how you started telling stories of Black women? Issa, thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for this platform, because it is just so good to be able to talk about writing with with people who are vested in hearing stories. And I think at my heart of hearts, I'm a storyteller. I began writing in high school, poems and, and short stories. There was a hunger always to write. And I blame my mother entirely. She had us into all of the classics. So, you know, we were into Shakespeare and Thoreau and Wadsworth. And, um, and then through school, we started looking at, you know, Bronte. And then we get to Austin and I was like typical people. I don't want to read Boston. I've read all this other stuff, but I started into it and loved it and got to Sanditon, which is her very last one. And the wealthiest woman in the book is a mulatto woman from the West Indies. And I'm like, oh, home. I found myself. I know why I'm attracted to these stories, but there weren't that many. There were classic, classic, classic books. There weren't that many telling stories about the West Indies or about Europe. And from my father, who's from Trinidad and Tobago, I understood that everything's connected. Uh, my father traveled so much. I, I, was, I was once on one of these registry.coms and I found like an immigration card for him. Um, and it was showing him going, I think it was to London or something like this. And it was just amazing, one to find it on one of these services. But to just see that interconnectedness. Um, my love of history, I, I will squarely blame on my father. He used to tell me all these stories of his childhood. And here's one thing. I never knew my father had an accent, like a heavy accent when I was growing up until he was uh, doing a prayer at church and he's on the microphone and I'm hearing this voice, but not seeing the person. And I'm like, oh, cool. We, got, we have a visitor. And it was my father. And I was like stunned because when you're locked in to the voice, when you're locked into that storytelling, a lot of things fall away. And I think that is one of the things I, I take on my journey as I try to write. I try to write a, a very relatable story. I try to make it so that anybody listening can attach to the characters and feel their journey. And so mom won again. She, she was like, um, I know you like to write but I also know you want to pay your bills. So you go to school for this math thing that you do really well. And uh, when you're done and you're finished and you have a good solid job, you can think about these other things. And so my mother was absolutely correct. 
Math does wonderful things. It gets you degrees from all different types of universities, both Penn State University and Stanford University. Um, and it gets you some great jobs and have had some wonderful experiences across corporate America. But that hunger to write, it's always there. And it was a point in my life where I had to slow down, I had a difficult pregnancy. And a doctor said, you need to sit still. For me, that's like, Tara, what do you mean sit still? I cannot sit still. But I did. And my husband brought down some old boxes to give me something to do. And I found some of these journals. And I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm, I know more words. I can write this better. And, and I started a journey of rewriting some of those old stories. And the rest is, is somewhat history of being able to put out stories, you know, and, you know, there's parts of your journey where you're writing you because you want to move your career forward. So you, you, you almost call it like you're writing to market, you're, you know, this is what's selling and whatnot. It was never quite that, but in the very beginning, uh, the, the very first book was Madeline's Protector wasn't exactly, it was sort of the story because we're, we're set in the right time frame. We're in the 1800s but it missed the connectivity of, of me. It was, where are my people? Where are the people that I know who built islands, built businesses, where are they? Um, and it really has taken until about 20, you know, 2015, 2016, to get to a point where I can fully boldly tell these stories of women, black women, women of color, throughout the ages um, who have just changed the world, or at least they've changed their world, the world of their families. And so that's the nutshell of my journey. And, uh, you know, with Island Queen, I hope people are out there reading it. You can find about Dorothy Kerwin Thomas, this woman who was erased from history, who was famous during her day. Her will is archived in the UK. That should tell everybody, a Black woman who was once enslaved, they don't do that for just anybody. But that just tells you one of the level of success. And so I found her and I honestly never thought I would be able to write her story because I didn't think the market was ready to focus, singularly focus on a Black woman who defied all the odds. Uh, because when we think of the enslavement story, it, it's a painful story. Many did not survive. But this is a woman who beat the system, so to speak. She bought her freedom. She figured out ways. She always pushed the envelope. She wasn't a perfect person, which I hope also when you read comes out in the novel. There are a lot of things that are going on that she has to conform and fit to because if you want at that point in time, if you wanted a seat of power at the table, you had to do and be like everybody else who held seats of power. So that was always a struggle. But to see how people are, are, are locking in on Island Queen of Dorothy's journey, it's just so heartwarming. And, and once again, I'm humbled and grateful for the opportunity to tell her story and to tell more stories of centering women because the West Indies is powerful. 80% of the world is powered by what they call the sugar trade. They make it sound so cute. It's the sugar trade, right? No, that's, that's black labor. That's your tea and your indigo and your sugar and your coffee and cotton. Well, that's fueling the world. That's building businesses and, and buildings and some of the stonework that we see all across Europe and, and in early Americas. It's because 
people got wealthy because they weren't paying for labor because they stole labor. People took from the islands. And so when you find women like Dorothy who beat the system, um, it's just amazing. And, and it's one of those things that I am so happy to be able to tell. I'm so glad that you stepped up and you found her story. Like you saw a sketch, right? Uh, <laughs> yes, yes. And that just intrigued your thought. And I think that's powerful because sometimes we have these ideas, but we don't really know how to act on it. And when you talk about that hunger for writing, and I'm thinking about her hunger for freedom, right? Because when mm -hmm. I think about her story and uh, many of our stories and thinking about slave narratives, all of our journeys are of a way of self-discovery, a self of freedom, right? And being able to prove that I exist, I'm here too. So putting yourself in a space where you're able to not only understand, but help explain it. Can you talk about how migration and travel narratives and these archives have helped you or helped us, you know, survive, has helped us, you know, not be fully erased, has influenced the way that we travel and see and write the world. You, you mentioned the sketch that I found. So I, I do a lot of history because one of the things when you're trying to tell these, these old stories, you have to know not just the, not just about the islands, but you, everything is interconnected. So you have to know European history. You've got to know what's happening in America because all of these players are, are working uh, together to, to build, basically to build the world. And so you just can't tell a story knowing just one piece of history. So when I found this sketch, you know, I was like, you know, uh, the, the, the cartoonist who, who drew it is named Gilroy. Gilroy is an ist. He's a misogynist, he's a sexist, he's, he's racist, uh, you know, just throw on all your ist in the world. This is this guy. Um, and so he is a political uh, commentator of his day. And so he's, he's talking about royalty, he's talking about all these different things, but his natural self shows up when he draws or draws women. And so when he typically draws women, he goes to town, he makes them look stupid or desperate for husbands or just illiterate, I mean, just everything. But when he gets the opportunity to draw a black woman, oh, he does not hold back. So all the stereotypical uh, lips, uh, behind, you, you name it, he goes down. But in this one sketch, the prince is in a hammock and he's lovingly embracing a black woman. And the black woman is drawn beautifully. This is not typical Gilroy. So what's going on in this sketch? he's trying to tell a wider story. He's saying, look, this is what your prince, you know, third in line to the throne is doing in the islands. And so literally you, you, I went on a search to figure out, is this a real thing? Is this a real woman? Because if somebody goes to this level of drawing a sketch and not being his, his true nature, the truth has to be so stunning that he cannot deny it. So I went and, and searched and you cannot find, hey, black woman in hammock uh, with Prince, uh, Prince William Henry, future King William IV. You just can't Google that. Um, but I was fortunate to, I follow his life. And so you follow his life and he's the sailor king because he's the one person in royalty who's in the Navy. He's commanding frigates. Uh, frigates go to Nova Scotia and he's got a, you know, a, a young lady he's seeing there and, and he goes to other places and then he goes down to the islands and the boy loses his freaking mind. He and his 
officers are going to shore. They are breaking brothels. They break a brothel so bad in Jamaica, they have to pay for it. They go to all these other islands. He's partying, having a great time. But then he gets to the island of Dominica. And all I read the stories changes. All the narratives say something to like, he's with that woman again. That mulatto woman is very handsome woman. And you see his nature is different. You don't hear the stories anymore of him breaking things or partying. He's with this woman. And then I find he's dancing with this woman, Dorothy Kerwin, at a mulatto ball in Russo, Dominica. So now I have a name. And once you have a name, that's, that's a part of the goal. And if this woman hadn't been famous, that would have been it because it's hard during the 1800s, 1700s, early 1900s to track black women. Women in general are very poorly recorded. We are very grateful that Anne Frank's diary was located so that we could know certain things that are going on during that time frame. Dorothy has no diary, but she has leases. So her receipts are leases. Her receipts are manumission documents. Her receipts are birth records because she was very particular in registering who was the father, where was this child born, et cetera. And you begin to think about this world and you wanna know why. She's a formerly enslaved woman. Uh, why is she so careful with these birth records? What, what's the deal with that? And then you look at where these, these records find and you find some in Granada, you find some in the colony of Demerara, you find some in Dominica, you find this movement. And we're talking about thousands of miles between these different places. And then you find, you know, records or, or sightings of her in Scotland. You find her making investments in London in schools for mulatto or, or colored girls in London. And you're like, how does somebody who goes all the way under the equator move in circles that takes her to places of influence in Scotland and Ireland and London? My favorite tidbit I found on her was she was in Glasgow, Scotland, and some guy was like, hey, I just saw Doll Kerwin or, or Doll Thomas, and she has 17 grandkids with her. Dorothy wanted to make sure that her family saw the world she was opening up. So she literally takes 17 of her grandkids, several of her children with her, and shows them the world. Can you imagine this? A woman that's not even that far removed from slavery, she can remember waking up in the slave huts. She can remember the rebellions and, and all the abuses that happen when one is enslaved. And now she is boarding boats, taking 17 grandkids with her. And even if you think about it, you're not that far removed from seeing the slave boats come from Africa to the West Indies because that sugar trade we talked about is needs more power, needs more men, needs more labor. So more bodies are coming and you're getting on a boat, a boat that you've paid passage for to go to Glasgow, to go to London. I mean, she, it's an amazing journey. And she was systematically erased because how do you do that? You know, when I found something that really talked about her, it was a paragraph uh, in one book and a chapter in another. How do you just, how do you wipe away a life like that? I, I don't know. I'm just, once again, I'm, I'm very fortunate. It's, it's hard to put all the pieces together. But once you put the pieces together, you, I'm a storyteller. We have to be able to tell a story 
that makes sense. So I have to get into her head, her seven, her 1800s head or 1700s head, because the woman she was in 1758 wasn't the woman she was in 1810 or even in 1820. Um, what's changing in the world? What's happening in the world? And, and you've got to know all these different pieces. So our work, when we look at the Caribbean, it, there's lots to do, but it's needed because unfortunately we're the engine that powered the world. And I think there's not a, a great level of appreciation. You know, growing up in the States, you know, oftentimes we think of all the islands as being the same, just give us a beach and, and palm trees. So I was very particular when I take you on Dorothy's journey, you're going to see every colony or island she goes to, they all have a different character. They all have a different flavor because they were colonized by different people. And that meant different laws, different dangers um, because of those laws. And when you take this journey, I want you to be in her footsteps so that you understand good, bad, ugly. You understand why she may make those decisions, why her fear of enslavement never goes away, even though she has power, even though she has money, never goes away. And her fears for her family, it never goes away. Those are just things I wanted everybody to know. And I think that is when you're looking at this time frame, which I encourage more writers to, to, to look because we, we need these stories. There are more Dorothy's out there, but they've all been erased or because we look, sometimes some of us look at our past and we, I don't wanna, I don't wanna know about that story. I don't wanna know because it has a, a, a tinge of enslavement. You ought to know about these stories because it shows we survived. The fact that we are here talking on Zoom in this, this present day of technology, and not still out on those provision gowns in, in a slave hut, it, it matters. And we gotta know where we get there because then when you see what your people have overcome, there's no limits to anything you can dream and do. That we need to show that how much we've overcome, we need to show the journey, we need to remember so that we know that we too can continue to walk in that glory. And that notion kind of keeps us going on our journey, but I think or what I'm definitely trying to celebrate in my life and as I work on this dissertation. But like you said, just tapping into telling her stories and recognizing that there's many other stories, not only um, or very similar to hers, that, that are need to be discovered and also that people need to take the time to do the research. But one way to just get a sample of what her glory and what her lifestyle is, I know you're going to share a little bit of your book with us. So I'm going to read just a little bit uh, of Island Queen. And this is a particularly important scene because Dorothy has, has saved up money. A friend of hers has negotiated her manumission for herself and her family. Monies have already been exchanged. This is the, the legal uh, the signing of documents so to make everything official and then she'll have her papers. But there's a complication. Somebody has said that, that the money that she made wasn't hers. And that's very important because for your, your ransom, to ransom basically to free yourself, you've got to prove that you actually earned this money. So men were talking, pointing to squiggles like I wasn't in the room, but I was. I took my ledger back from Thomas and slammed it to the table. I have proof of my wages earned as Foden's housekeeper. Every bit and fourpence for you British, gilders for those that know Dutch. 
You can see my entries of payments and even Mr. Foden's initials, everything earned as his housekeeper, plus the income from the housekeepers I hired out. Nicholas drummed the table. You illiterate whore. How could you ever have a ledger? Because of my pa. He taught me figures. Pa, tell him of your dreams for me. Um, she's right, my pa said. And now I want you all to come back to Maserat. See, Nicholas, you a calvary fool. You couldn't hold up your part of the bargain. You couldn't do right in school. You couldn't do right on Pa's plantation. Everything you try, may it always be a curse to you. That's Island Flea. You guys got to get into this book, every page, like literally. It's like each like section is like, it's like you said, women didn't have diaries or not many diaries are collected of us Black women, but the way that you written, someone mentioned is almost like a diary entry of like where she's at, a place, a location of what happened. And even in that court scene, how she's able to advocate for herself and be able to show proof because many times, as you proved in the novel, like people try to kind of cheat her and try to make sure, you know, or play her just because not only that she was once enslaved, but as a black woman. So that scene and Nicholas, uh, <laughs> and a horrible person, but there's so many horrible other people, but we're not going to celebrate that. We're going to uplift Dorothy Kerwin Thomas, who is exceptional and you and your great job of telling her story. And also congratulations. I saw that uh, the director of Bridgerton, Julie Ann Robinson, Robinson, option of developing Island Queen into a series. A television series. Yes. So yes. she, uh, Victoria Fee of Longboat Productions and Adjo Ando, the, um, the wonderful woman from Bridgerton, Lady Dansbury. She actually raised the audio for Island Queen and she fell in love with it. And so she signed on board to be an executive producer of the uh, hopefully Crush Fingers television show. Oh my God, that's amazing. I hope it all works out. I would love to see that because I enjoyed Bridgerton way too much than I thought. So I would die to see this like, come on. That'll be amazing. And just mm -hmm. continuing the evolution, starting from a sketch, getting some script, and then going on the screen. That's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. How are you on your way? I am moving. Always in need of coffee, but I am moving. That's just, that is such a great question. I'm not done. There are still women to be discovered. Uh, there are women whose stories that if the world knew them, I think we'd be a different place. You know, we, we talk about people not wanting to look at enslavement stories or there's a fear of the enslavement stories. And, and I totally get it because, you know, there, there's pain there. And one of the things, you know, as writing this book, I'm not gonna whitewash it. I'm not going to just show you a miraculous happening. Like, you, you know, just, you could always start this book in different places and you still have a story. I wanted to show you the whole pieces of her journey because everything matters but at the same time I keep you safe that's one of the reasons I do the diary entry because you see her in her full power so even when we go back and we tell parts of her life you already know she survived it and I think that is a, a, a something we need to look at because we survive love survive there's always been a way we are creative imaginative people uh, we always find a way. And so uh, my way is I am happy. I am humble. 
I am thankful. I am grateful. And that is one of the things that keeps me grounded because I remember where when I went to conference and I'm all excited about writing these time frames and was um, basically laughed at because nobody knows the history. And now we move all full circle to there's going to potentially be a television show on a book I wrote about women doing interesting things in this history that no one wants us to own unless it's an enslavement. Um, it's an incredible journey I'm on. And I center myself always by remembering where I came from, remembering the people's shoulders I stand on. There are writers who before me that if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be here. There are mentors in my life like Beverly Jenkins and Kristen Higgins that pour fuel into me. I have wonderful editors who are making doors open so that these stories can be told. Rachel and Essie, I, it, there's just so many. Um, Aaron, uh, who, you know, who've seen uh, Felicia. Uh, these are all the editors who've made an impact of power in my life. And I'm grateful. You know, at the end of the day, I'm just so grateful. There's a feeling when you've written books and you can, and people are talking about them, or you walk into a bookstore and they're on a table at the front or they're on a shelf. It's an amazing feeling. So in my way, I'm on my way and I'm feeling great. I'm feeling happy. And I'm just excited to keep telling stories. I'm excited for you. Can you tell the people where can they connect with you at? Where can they purchase your book and wonderful other novels? Excellent. Go to vanessariley.com. Please join my newsletter um, because I will keep you up to date. You'll know everything that's going on with the future projects, um, all book releases, uh, and my books are available everywhere. Uh, if you have an independent bookseller, please go and support them. They are struggling during these times. They're starting to recover, but every time you know a, a pandemic happens, businesses close and a bookstore is just a place where you go and, and you're supporting the economy, you're supporting writers, you're supporting people who are trying to help make future connections because a book is a place of connections. And when you share a book, you are connecting yourself to other people. Um, and it's just so exciting. Um, so go to your, uh, your independent bookseller. If they don't have it on the shelf, you ask them for a Vanessa Riley book. Uh, they can get them because it's it's they they're they're everywhere. Um, once again, uh, you can go to my website vanessarally.com. I'm very active on Instagram. Follow me on Instagram. Follow me on Twitter. Uh, you can find me on Facebook. I'm there somewhere. But I, you know, all my socials are connected on my website. Um, and my next books, uh, literally had a book come out. It's a collection called The Brides of London, which some of my publishers are taking my older works and now putting them first time in like mass market. So I'm looking to go find it at a grocery store. Uh, Island Queen is out. And then next year you will be getting Sister Mother Warrior, which is the two women who shaped the Haitian revolution. Yes, I'm excited. I'm, look, I got introduced to a new author. Look, I'm, I can't, I'm, I can't wait. Congratulations on your recent release and more to coming. And may you continue to get all the support that you need and may people 
learn these stories, may they be reminded of their truth and their power, and may we all move forward unafraid. Thank you so much for sharing just a little bit of your story with me today, Vanessa. Issa, thank you for having me. This, is, this has been a wonderful time. Thank you. To all our wonderful listeners, wherever you are on your journey, try something new, find a new story, and write about it, think about it, be hungry for it, because it could change your life. Until next time, this is Issa Cosette. Y'all be blessed.